0: the clock has started. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prazak. Thank you very much for tuning in. You know, I always appreciate it. And let's see, I'm going to get right into the show today. So uh, first of all, I guess that's not getting right into it, is it? (laughs) First of all, our feature cities this week, you know, new ones on the list, Barrie in Ontario, Canada, or Barrie, B-A-R-R-I-E. Anyway, Welcome pontiac michigan that's the first time i've seen pontiac on the list and i don't know if i've acknowledged anybody from uh, nyc yet but somebody in new york city listened to last week's show so hello to you whoever you are and i hope you're you're listening to this one also i checked today there is still nothing from rhode island you know i get it maybe it's a uh, size envy thing well don't worry i've been told that size doesn't matter <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> i'll let oh that God. sink in okay Oh yeah, have any of you told your friends about this podcast? I'm sure you probably have, mostly because I asked really nicely last week, so thank you very much. Now, if you didn't, then I'm going to officially retract my thanks. I'm I'm sure you'll understand. All right, enough chit-chat, let's get going. Now, if I thought that my comments about the French tuck last week were controversial, and they must have been because apparently a lot of you French tuck, I'll never know why, but apparently I really hit a nerve with that one. Well, this episode has the potential of completely destroying my 75-episode career in podcasting. Now, I'm going to try and keep it in the middle of the road. I'm going to explain viewpoints from both sides, and I'll keep my two cents out of it. The important phrase you heard was, I'll try. So what am I talking about? Well, if you follow this podcast on that Instagram thing, you saw the hints on Wednesday and saw the answer on Friday morning. Now, again, if you're not following this thing, on Insta, then, oh my God, I cannot believe I just said Insta. (laughs) How old do I think I am, 23? I have no right to be saying the word Insta. (sighs) Man, I got off track. All right, so what's the topic today? Well, the topic is astrology. You know, not the study of space, that's astronomy. I'm talking about the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter lines with Mars stuff. Okay. That phrase was way more age appropriate for me. And if you don't know what that phrase meant, well, go ask your parents. (laughs) Uh, How you doing out there, Aquariuses? (laughs) To tackle this stuff, I of course did the research so you don't have to, and you're welcome because there is just a lot of it. Now, I'm a Libra. The symbol is the scales. We're known for our fairness and impartiality to keep things on an even keel. I looked at both sides of the star charts here. Now, We're going to start like we usually do with the definition. Now, keep in mind, I only have a self-imposed 20 minutes, so I do need to keep some of these things brief. Don't, Don't blame me, okay? Scientific American, you know, Scientific American, that big magazine, they say astrology is generally defined as the belief that astronomical phenomena, like the stars overhead when you were born or if some planet is in retrograde, that they have the power to influence the daily events in our lives and personality traits. Okay, I think that was a fair definition from the people at Scientific American. Wikipedia says, Astrology is a pseudoscience that claims to discern information about human affairs and terrestrial events by studying the movements and relative positions of celestial objects. That's kind of basically the same thing with a lot of shade thrown in there. But where did this astrological stuff come from? For that answer, I turned to the American Federation of Astrologers. Now, by the way, you can join the AFA for just $45 a year if you're interested. And if you're over 65, the cost is just $30 a year. You know, not that I would need to be interested in that category because, you know, I say things like Insta. (laughs) Anyway. The folks at AFA say the Babylonians are generally credited with the birth of astrology. Their astrological charts enabled them to predict the recurrence of seasons and certain celestial events. So in the beginning, and for more than 2,000 years, astrology and astronomy were kind of the same science. Now, Babylonian astrology was introduced to the Greeks in early 4th century BC and through the studies of Plato, Aristotle, and others, astrology came to be highly regarded as a science. It was soon embraced by the Romans, and the Roman names for the zodiacal signs are still used today. All right, fair enough. 2,000 years ago, astrology was actually considered a science, but 2,000 years ago, a lot of people also thought the earth was flat. So, you know, just saying. Now, when you hear the word astrology, you most likely think uh, the zodiac or your birth sign. So just how did that spin up to become a thing? Let's dig into the Zodiac, all right? The word Zodiac is derived from the Greek word meaning circle of animals. It's believed to have been developed in ancient Egypt and later adopted by the Babylonians. Now, early astrologers knew it took 12 lunar cycles, or basically months, for the sun to return to its original position. They first identified 12 constellations that they observed were linked to the seasons. They then assign them names of certain animals and persons. For example, the rainy season in Babylonia happened when the sun was in a particular constellation, which was then named Aquarius or the water bearer. Now the signs of the Zodiac, I'm sure you know what yours are, but they're divided into four groups. The fire signs are Aries, Sagittarius, and Leo. The water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. The air signs are Libra. Aquarius, and Gemini, and the earth signs are Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. Each of those four groups is located in its own quadrant or a group of houses on a circle. The division of the 12 signs of the zodiac is based on the earth's year-long rotation around the sun and relates to character traits and areas of life. Now, approximately 2000 B.C., Babylonian astrologers believed that the Sun, Moon, and the five planets that they knew of at the time, which were Jupiter, Mars, Mercury, Saturn, and Venus, they believed that they possessed distinct powers. For example, Mars appeared to be red and was associated with aggression and war. So, directly related to the zodiac is horoscopes. A horoscope is a map of the zodiacal circle with Earth at the center. The top of the circle represents the sun at its highest point during the day, and left and right of that are the eastern and western horizons. Now, your horoscope charts are the relative positions of the sun, moon, and planets, and stars at a specific time and place of your choosing, like, oh, the date, time, and location when you were born. Okay, starting to get a little bizarre for me. Astrologers don't use, quote, clock time. Rather, they measure it as, quote, side real time. That's measured from the sun's position at the spring equinox. Once the date and time are selected and calculated as a side real time and the location known and plotted, the astrologer consults an astronomical ephemeris. What? I know, I know, I never heard the word before either. An ephemeris is a table listing the locations of the sun, moon, planets, and constellations at any given time. They use this to construct your chart. Now, as you can imagine, this all used to be really tedious and exacting. But come on, it's 2022 computer software programs have made it extremely easy. The science of constructing a chart, however, is only the first step. The AFA says proper interpretation of the chart is both an art and a science properly done. It reveals personality insights and current trends and should only be entrusted to a highly trained and accredited. That's a hard word to say accredited (laughs) astrologer. Now, again, I'm not going to pass judgment here, but you can get your very own ephemeris birth chart talisman necklace for just $69. The website Ephemeris.co says their talisman is a beautiful and accurate birth chart handcrafted to last a lifetime. It will help you stay grounded as the stars shift. It will radiate your cosmic energy, decipher the map of your soul and help you learn astrology with your birth chart. Now I plugged in all the information for me and showed me what my talisman would look like. You get to pick the color, you know, silver, gold, black, or rose gold in the lines of the etchings of your birth chart. I don't know what I would do with it, but I'm gonna say it actually looked pretty cool, okay? So there you go. That's the brief history of astrology, the definitions and elements. But when we come back, we're gonna get into it. Is astrology real? Is it scientific? What would this show be if it didn't have controversies? I'll be right back, don't go away. Maybe you're sort of tired of eating the same old thing day after day. Maybe you'd like to try something different, something delicious. Something with a marvelous flavor that just knocks the spots off any other cereal you've ever tried. Now, if that's the case, why don't you ask your mother to let you have a big bowl of crackly, crunchy, golden brown Wheaties Flakes tomorrow morning. Ask your mother to let you have a cereal you'll really like to taste of. Remind your mother to always look for the famous seal of acceptance of the Committee on Foods of the American Medical Association whenever she buys Wheaties. Ride, Wheaties! They're whole wheat with all of the bran. Well, just buy Wheaties, for wheat is the best food of man. They're crispy, they're crunchy, the whole year through. Jack can and never time of them, and neither will you. So just buy Wheaties, the best of food in the land. Yeah, kids, keep reminding your mother to buy Wheaties. We'll see how that works out for you. <laughs> all right, here we go. Astrology, fact or Fiction. Okay, let's start with the American Federation of Astrologers and see uh, what their take is. They say interest in astrology has persisted throughout the centuries, occasionally falling out of favor, but always rebounding. Today, with practitioners in nearly every country, astrology's popularity is stronger than ever. They add that some may regard astrology as superstitious nonsense and without scientific basis. However, Others acknowledge the gravitational forces exerted on our planet by the sun and by the moon, and that the planets have similar powers that can be charted through astrology. Still others maintain that symbolism of astrology can provide a deeper understanding of ourselves and of events. All right, now we turn to the scientific community and see what they have to say. This should be good. Scientists at the University of California, Berkeley say in some ways astrology may seem scientific. Well, that was really nice of them. It's a good start here. They continue that it uses scientific knowledge about heavenly bodies as well as scientific sounding tools like star charts. (laughs) All right, they're getting a little snarky now. Some people use astrology to generate expectations about future events and people's personalities, much as scientific ideas generate expectations. And some claim that astrology is supported by evidence based on the experiences of people who feel that astrology has worked for them. All right. We're, sounds like we're getting along right here. But those guys at Berkeley, they ask, is astrology really a scientific way to answer questions? To do this, they use a scientific checklist to evaluate one way in which astrology is commonly used. See if you think astrology qualifies as scientific. Okay? This is up to you. You can answer them. Now, remember, the scientists provided all the answers. I'm going to read here, but you can decide if this box should be checked. I'm staying out of it. Okay, here's the checkbox list, all right? The first box, does it focus on the natural world? The answer they gave was, astrology's basic premise is that heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the planets, and constellations have influence over or are correlated with earthly events. check that. All right, the second box does it aim to explain the natural world? Again, their answer was, well, astrology uses a set of rules about the relative positions and movements of heavenly bodies to generate predictions and explanations for events on Earth and human personality traits. For example, some forms of astrology predict that a person born just after the spring equinox is particularly likely to become an entrepreneur. I want to put a check in that box too. I'm okay with that. The third box. Does it use testable ideas? Now, the answer they gave was some. Remember, this is all the scientific people talking, not me, not Doug, okay? Some expectations generated by astrology are so general that any outcome could be interpreted as fitting the expectations. If treated this way, astrology is not testable. However, some have used astrology to generate very specific expectations that could be verified against outcomes in the natural world. For example, according to astrology, one zodiac sign impacts one's ability to command respect and authority. If used to generate specific expectations like this one, astrological ideas are testable. So I guess we can say they're testable. right? The fourth box, does it rely on evidence? Well, They say in the few cases where astrology has been used to generate testable expectations and the results were examined in a careful study, the evidence did not support the validity of astrological ideas. One of the hallmarks of science is that ideas are modified when warranted by the evidence. The scientists say astrology has not changed its ideas in response to contradictory evidence. The fifth box... Does it involve scientific community? The scientist said, Sharing one's findings and critically evaluating the results of others are not integral parts of practicing astrology. An astrologer can go his entire career and not present findings at a scientific meeting or publish a single article. Wow, now they're just getting rude, aren't they? (laughs) When astrologers do publish, these articles are usually not peer-reviewed or published in places where they can be critically scrutinized by the scientific community. Now they're just really getting uppity, aren't they? I tell you. The sixth box. Does it lead to ongoing research? Scientific studies involving astrology have stopped after attempting and failing to establish the validity of astrological ideas. So far, there are no documented cases of astrology contributing to new scientific discovery. All right, scientists, let me get this straight. You just gave up because you failed? And the last checkbox. Do the researchers behave scientifically? (laughs) Uh, Scientists don't wait for others to do the research to support or contradict the ideas they propose. Instead, they strive to test their ideas, try to come up with counter-arguments and alternative hypotheses, and ultimately give up ideas when warranted by the evidence. The scientists go on to say that astrologers, on the other hand, do not seem to rigorously examine the astrological ideas they accept. As reflected by the minimal level of research in the field, they rarely try to test their arguments in fair ways. In addition, the astrological community largely ignores evidence that contradicts its ideas. Therefore, and based on this checklist, the scientists have determined that astrology is not a science. Well, those just sound like fight words to me. So to rebut those scientists at UC Berkeley, we're going to turn back to the AFA for their position. The American Federation of Astrologers contend that astrology is an all-encompassing art science, which has far-reaching consequences in the lives of countless number of people worldwide. They go on to say that for centuries it's been respected, yet ridiculed in almost the same breath. Astrology is an ancient art science, Astrology antedates all of recorded history. Its influence reaches back to the time when gods are said to have walked and talked with men. It was studied and practiced by all the great nations of antiquity and predates the sacred writings of nearly all religions and philosophies. Astrology's supporters extend from Plato to Copernicus to Sir Isaac Newton to former First Lady Nancy Reagan as well as countless business and financial people and others. The AFA adds their own bit of shade here when they said, despite the fact that scientists today are dealing with cosmic rays and influence on people on Earth, they hold wildly divergent views of the validity of astrology. Opinions range from the abrupt dismissal to those who have no knowledge, but upon confrontation, they instantly become experts. One thing is certain, few other topics stimulate as much debate as astrology. Closing out this debate, and you've noticed how I've stayed out of it, I've really tried to, Eliza Kelly wrote an article in Self Magazine titled, If You're Asking If Astrology Is Real, You're Missing the Point. Wow, you go Eliza. She says she's a professional astrologer, but if you want her to prove that astrology is real, well, she won't. Because, she says, I can't, and frankly, it doesn't matter. She adds, quote, Skeptics are obsessed with disproving astrology, which I've always found so odd. We know that people find value in introspective practices like this, even if it can be hard to measure exactly what that value is. Plus, when it comes to astrology, its true significance is embedded in what it symbolizes to each individual. Do eclipses really trigger unexpected events? Does Neptune really guide your subconscious? The truth is, I don't know. And I don't care. As a professional astrologer, I can say with full confidence that it doesn't matter whether Saturn is actually propelling change or if it's the act of studying the planet that perpetuates reflection. And she leaves you with this. What matters is that astrology is a tool for self-empowerment and empathy. So there you go. Thank you, Eliza, for wrapping that up. And I'm going to add this. If you buy into astrology and it helps you, then keep doing it. If you don't buy into it, then quit poo-pooing it. Use your scientific checklist on something else, like, oh, is the French tuck really a fashion wonder? By the way, I I mentioned it earlier that I'm a Libra, and my horoscope for today was, it may not seem like it, but you have both the talent and the community behind you to help you with solving a tough problem. Make use of what you have today and see what it unfolds. Okay, community, my tough problem is getting Rhode Island on board, so help me out. (laughs) That ends this episode. What have we learned? Well, we learned that 2,000 years ago, astrology was a science. We learned that you can get a birth chart talisman for $69. And we learned that Eliza Kelly put the smack down on astrology naysayers. (laughs) So there you go. If you believe, good for you. If you don't, good for you. Just leave those who do alone. And as the Fifth Dimension said, harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding. (laughs) Again, go ask your parents. Wow, it looks like I'm a minute over, so I apologize. But thanks for listening anyway, and I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, uh, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So that's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.